Welcome to Coffee Table Mythos. I'm Eliza. And I'm Leah. For our new listeners, where can they find us? Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, coffeetablemythos at gmail.com, anchor.fm, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. How can they support us? By liking, following, sharing, subscribing, and reviewing our podcast. Reviewing our podcast helps others find us so that our family can grow. Come interact with us. You can use our hashtag Coffee Table Mythos to show us your cool art of the entities we cover, email us to let us know what you want to hear about, or message us on Instagram or Facebook. What about merch? For now, visit us on Teespring at teespring.com slash store slash coffee dash table dash mythos for shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Leah is testing out prototypes so that we can make our own merch soon. You can also donate to us at anchor.fm slash coffee dash table dash mythos slash support. All donations will go to making this podcast better. And with that, grab your favorite beverage and let's talk myths. What are you drinking today? Yes, I'm having apple cider with mulling spices and you made it for me. I sure did. And what cup are you drinking out of? Oh my gourd, it's fall. Even though, celestially, it's not. It very much feels like fall is coming. This cup is like the size of her face. She asked me how much cider I wanted, and I said, I want the biggest cup imaginable. And just so everyone knows, yes, we did have coffee this morning. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the same thing, but I'm using my mushroom mug. Oh, you're also having apple cider? Yeah. It's like everything I wanted and more. I'm glad you approve. It's got the creamy taste to it without having any whipped cream on it. Is that a good thing? Yes. Okay. I was unsure. That's fair. And I'm 30 now. Yay. You are not excited. You finally caught up. (laughs) She will not let me not hear the end of how I am younger than her. By two months. Meh. Meh. (laughs) Leah's having a day. I am having a day. She woke up asking for Dova to go get her a new head. And I said, well, it might not be human if Dova's the one picking it out. And your response was... Any head will do. Yeah. You got a wicked headache that will not go away. I blame it on all the paint. I think it's more has to do with my neck. Oh. There's so much that's happened the past two weeks to to cover. Mm. But we'll start with, what are we talking about today? It is Norse Week. This week, I'm diving more in-depth into Emir. Eliza touched on him briefly while she told us about the creation story. Emir, a.k.a. Argolmir, was the first Frost Jotun. Another name he went by was Hrimthsur. Thurs relating to Jotun and Hrim meaning rhyme or ice, a reference to his origin. He is attested to in both the poetic and prose Eddas, and as a note... As I'm discussing this, there's a bunch of names of other Jotun and Asir. As this isn't their story, I'm only going to use one of their names each, but depending on which story you're reading, their names differ a little in spelling and pronunciation, so the ones I chose are only one option and not the end-all be-all for these other entities. Now, we have a physical copy of the Poetic Edda as translated by Dr. Jackson Crawford. Yes. The first part I want to direct your attention to is the Vath Thruth Nismal. In this section, 
Odin decides to go meet the Riddle Weaver, Vathruthnir, and test not only his hospitality, but also his wisdom. Mm. Odin told Frigg that he wanted to go test his knowledge against Vathruthnir, and Frigg advised against it. But when he said that he was going to go anyway, she said, fine, just come back alive. Odin went to his home and told Vathruthnir that he had come to test him. Vathruthnir asked for his name, and instead of telling him that he was Odin, he told him that he goes by Good Advisor. Throughout the stanzas, we learn a lot about various parts of the mythology, but what I want to focus on are the stanzas that pertain to Emir. The stanzas are not in chronological order, so I will be reading them to you out of written order, but in an order that makes more sense to the tale of Emir. In stanzas 28-29, Odin said, Tell me this fifth, if you want to be called wise, if you know it, Riddle Weaver. Who was the oldest being, whether god or giant, who appeared in the oldest times? Riddle Weaver replied, Untold years ago, before the earth was made, Burgelmir was born. His father was Thruthgilmir, and Thruthgilmir's father was Argelmir. So now we have that Argelmir, a.k.a. Emir, was the first being. In stanzas 30-31, through 31, Odin said, Tell me this sixth, if you want to be called wise, if you know it, Riddle Weaver. How did Argelmir come to be? What was the origin of that first giant? Riddle Weaver replied, Drops of poison fell from Elivagar. They gelled and formed the giant. All the families of us giants have our origin there. That's why we're bad through and through. Hmm. This tells us the story of his birth. The Elivagar are rivers that exist in Ganungagap, the void before the world was made. In Gilfaginning, three men answered questions posed by Gangleri about how things came to be. They told him the first realm to come into being was Muspel, the realm of fire. After a long time, Niflheimer, the realm of mist, was made, and within it was the spring called Fergalmir. From this spring came the eleven rivers that are associated with the Elivagar. The rivers travel so far from their source that the poison within them started forming into ice. When the ice came to a halt, poisonous vapor arose from it. The vapor drifted and froze into rime. The layer of rime expanded across Ganungagap, where the rime and hot air from Muspel met. The frost melted and dripped into the shape of a man. Thus the poison from Elivagar formed Emir. In the prose Edda, we learn of Athumbla, a primeval cow. She was how Emir received nourishment. He drank from her udders, and she is also the beginning of the Aesir. As she licked the salty, frost-covered rocks, she unearthed Buri, the first of the gods. In stanzas 32-33, Odin said, Tell me this seventh, if you want to be called wise, if you know it, Riddle Weaver. How did that giant Emir have children, if he had no woman to share his bed? And Riddle Weaver replied, they say two giants, a man and a woman, grew under his armpits. One foot had a child with the other foot, and their son had six heads. 
Multiple websites online will say that this means Emir was a hermaphrodite because he was able to birth children alone, Mm. which is possible with the limited information we have, but it reminds me more of parthogenesis, the ability to give birth alone, such as how Hera gave birth to Hephaestus and Zeus gave birth to Athena in Greek mythology. Down through the line of Jotuns was a male named Bolthor, who had a daughter named Bestla. Buri, the first Asir, had a son named Bor. Bor and Besla mated, and Besla gave birth to Odin, Vili, and Bey. Most Asir have Jotun blood because of this, and these Asir would be Emir's death. In stanzas 20:21, Odin said, Tell me this first, if your wits serve you well. If you know it, Riddle Weaver, how did the earth come to be, or heaven? Which one was the first, giant? Riddle Weaver replied, The earth was made from Amir's flesh. The rocks were made from his bones. The sky was made from the skull of that ice-cold giant. The sea was made from his blood. According to a YouTube video by Dr. Crawford, we don't know the reason that they killed Amir. We have another book, called Myths of the Norsemen by Helene A. Gerber, originally published in 1895. The way her book is organized is a section of translated poetry or prose followed by a section of explanation. In the part about the creation myth, it says that from the time that Emir's children and Asir existed together, they always fought as they were the embodiments of good and evil and were forever destined to fight. Neither side would hold the advantage for long, until Bor and Besla had Odin, Vili, and Bey. They joined their father in the fight and managed to slay Emir, noted by Gerber as their greatest enemy. The blood that poured from his wounds drowned all Jotun except Burgomir, who escaped on a boat, and in whom all other Jotun can find their ancestor. I just want to say that it makes me think of the Bergens from Trolls. How so? Burgomir, Bergen. Oh. (laughs) I thought you meant, like, based on what was happening in this story. And I was like, I don't, we're remembering trolls differently. No, No, just the names. (laughs) Just the names. Burgomir, Bergen. (laughs) This reasoning for his death may be true, or it could be affected by the Christian monks that wrote down the sagas. With the information that we have so far, we cannot know for certain what the original tellers intended. Maybe in the future, more written pieces will be found, and they will give us more insight into this part of the story. While the Vathrusnismal continues on about the sun, the moon, and eventually Ragnarok, we are going to jump to Gerber's book for additional information on Emir's body. Of Emir's flesh was earth created, of his blood the sea, of his bones the hills, of his hair trees and plants, of his skull the heavens, and of his brows the gentle powers formed Midgard for the sons of men, but of his brain the heavy clouds are all created. Gerber noted this quote was from Norse Mythology by R.B. Anderson. Then the Asir assigned the four dwarves, Northri, Suthri, Westri, and Austri, to hold up the sky formed from his skull. And so Amir was born the first ice giant and died to create the world. Questions or concerns? Mm-mm. Cool. So, I'll tell you what. My first chunk written for this episode was kind of funny. 
I'm not sure if anyone has heard the riddle about who are the only humans that don't have belly buttons. And the answer... Oh, right. I forgot about this. <laughs> the answer is supposed to be Adam and Eve. But while researching, that was the part that was sticking in my head. So I had this whole rant written down originally because I was having a hard time focusing on writing the essay portion of this. So I just had a rant in my notes section about how Burry's child and Amir's children wouldn't have had belly buttons and neither would Burry or Amir themselves. And a couple of times I came back to write the episode, I just kept rereading that part that was already written about the belly buttons <laughs> and getting distracted by it and then not <laughs> writing down the rest of the episode. So I finally had to sit my butt down while Eliza was playing God of War and knock this out by writing on a completely different device so that I could focus on the episode and not the belly buttons. <laughs> I don't know why I was so focused on it. I was very concerned about who did and didn't have belly buttons, apparently. I'm trying not to laugh too loud. That's funny. ADHD on point. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I was borrowing it from you. Yeah. So that's Amir. And we don't have an English translation of the prose edda, which is why I had to bounce back and forth yes ma'am speaking of he's working on it oh good yes because i need a version of it yeah <laughs> i literally watched a thing on my topic today and it was one of the newer episodes and jackson crawford was like i'm literally working on a rendition of the prosetta good because we have his other books <laughs> yeah, we have all of his other ones and i'm like he said it might take a few years mm. but i don't know what year that was made the video i was watching that's fair so so in some version, it mentioned that Emir's eyelashes were used to build the boundary, like almost like a fence mm. of the boundary of the world. Hmm. That wasn't in the poetic Edda part that I was reading. So I'm not sure if that's from the prose Edda or if it's just a different translation. Which one's Snorri? He is commonly thought to have authored or compiled portions of the prose Edda, which is a major source of what is known today and the Heimskringla the history of Norwegian kings um okay so he he worked with the prose edit I was just funny because I was listening to Jackson Crawford talking about Snorri this morning being like he couldn't count and I'll be like damn <laughs> so I'm not sure which place exactly has the part about his eyelashes being used specifically to border the world but that was an additional thing and i'm just like thinking how much how big was amir that the blood from his death wound drowned all other jotun you know except for burglemir and his wife and his wife on the boat so that's amir we're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, we're going to be talking about Eliza's topic. Mm-hmm. Yggdrasil! All right. All right, welcome back. I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but we no longer have a commercial in between. Anywho's it. So my topic today, since... Leah was like, oh, I'm going to do Emir. And I was like, oh, I should probably do something kind of like... Relevant? Kind of relevant. Not really. I'm doing Yggdrasil, which um, possibly means Othan's horse. Now, to explain that, the whole idea was when Othan hung himself from the tree, 
he was riding the tree, so the tree was his horse, so it's Othan's horse. Eager is one of Othan's names, which also means terror, and then it would mean, like, tree of terror, or gallows, basically. And Drasil means horse. Jesus. Yeah. There's another person uh, with the last name of Schroeder that believes it just means you pillar. You like the tree. Mm-hmm. But then there's an actual specific reference to it being Idrasil Asker, which means ash tree. I was going to say, yeah, because it's an ash tree, not a you. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of debate between scholars on the meaning. You know, I'm sure how the debate actually happens and how I picture it is different. Like how, like, the black market mm-hmm. isn't an actual market, but, like, that's kind of how you picture it. Yeah. Like, I'm picturing them, like bare knuckle boxing <laughs> for the fucking meaning of a name yeah now it's you pillar now it's the horse of Othan. <laughs> like good lord okay well the generally accepted meaning is Othan's horse even listening to crawford earlier that's what he was referring to the meaning being mm-hmm. is an immense cosmological sacred tree central in the norse mythos around this tree the nine realms exist. Although the number nine was mentioned in source texts, names for all nine is in fact not known. Like, it's never distinctly listed, all the nine realms. Okay. It is described as an ash tree and found in the Poetic Edda from 13th century and the Prose Edda from the 13th century with Snorri. The branches extend far into the heavens, I say that with quotations, and is supported by three vast extending roots going to various locations. One root is the well Urtherbrunner, which is associated with the Norns, which Leah definitely spoke about previously. Mm-hmm. Found a crazy parallel pointed out with the description of a sacred tree at a temple at Uppsala, Sweden. In the second half of the 11th century, in the 1070s, Adam Bremen wrote this tree was always green, both spring and summer with a spring well at the bottom where sacrifices occurred. As long as the body was not found after immersing a live human being, the request of the people would be fulfilled. So they drowned people. Yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. It was believed possibly the Swedes were trying to create a copy of Yggdrasil with this tree. I just found that very interesting because I didn't know that that was even a, a thing, but they haven't been able to find actual evidence that this tree existed since all of those trees were burned down by the Christians, but I'll get into that that story a little bit later. Okay. The second route went to spring Hvegelmir. In the Poetic Edda, it is detailed as the location where liquid from antlers of the stag Ekthirner, which is a stag which stands upon Valhalla, flow. The spring where all waters rise, for example, is the source of numerous rivers. According to the Prose Edda, it was located in Niflheim. Within, it has a vast amount of snakes, and the dragon Neathhogger. Yep, that's the same spring that the Elivagar mm-hmm. rivers come from. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Nidhogger eating his roots. <laughs> his roots. It's crazy how many snakes are supposed to be also in there with him. Yeah. It's just like you can't. Unnamed ones. Unnamed yeah. amounts, yeah. The third route goes to a well called Mimisbrunner, the well associated with the Jotun or being named Mimir. Located in Jotunheimer. The water of 
This well is said to contain much wisdom and intelligence, according to the prose Edda book Gilfagini, the master of the well being Mimir. Also, Othan sacrificed an eye into the well just for a drink, but we will get more into Othan later. We'll actually like have a whole thing on Othan. In lore, the gods would go to Yggdrasil daily to assemble at governing assemblies called Things. It's literally called a thing. So I had to go find out what a thing was. And a thing is an early Germanic society, basically an assembly or a folk moot, providing legislative functions as well as social events and opportunities for trade in the Viking Age. They were public assemblies of free men of a country, province, or a hundred. A hundred is an administrative division of a geographical part or a larger region. Hundred like the word 100? It's, yeah, literally hundred. Okay. Yep. It's functioned as both parliaments and courts at different levels of society to resolve disputes and make political decisions. If anybody's thinking of the Vikings in the very first episode of season one, that is exactly what a thing is. They literally call it a thing, and that is what a thing is. Thing sites were also often a place for public religious rites. In Norway's law of Gulathing, only free men of full age could participate in the assembly. Women were clearly present at some things, despite not being ones to take part in making decisions such as in Icelandic Althing, according to written sources. Do you think they had to travel? And that- yes. That's why that they had, like, women there? Probably. That's kind of how it was depicted in Vikings in the show. I don't know if that was done because it's, like, more historically accurate because, like, farmers would even come to be present for it. Creatures that live within Yggdrasil include the dragon, Nithogr, which was discussed by Leah, an unnamed eagle, the stags, Dane, Dvalin, Dunir, and Durapthor. In the poetic Edda, it is found in three poems, the Volupsa, a vulva describes remembering the tree as a seed, and as part of the onset of Ragnarok, Yggdrasil shivers, the ash as it stands, the tree groans, and the giant slips free. It's referring to Othan asking Mimir on behalf of himself and his people, leading to the preparation for war for Ragnarok. Havamal, stand the 138, Othan describes sacrificing himself by hanging on a tree. Quote, I know that I hung on a windy tree, nine long nights, wounded with a spear, dedicated to Othan, myself to myself, on that tree of which no man knows from where its roots run. From here it is described that Othan looked down and took the runes. Even though Yggdrasil is not specifically mentioned by name, it is widely accepted that this was where Othan hung. In Grimnismal, Yggdrasil is mentioned first in stanza 29, describing how the gods, or Aesir, journey to Yggdrasil with a list of names of horses they ride to get to Yggdrasil to sit as judges there. Stanza 31 describes the three routes in three directions, beneath the first being Hel, the second the Jotnar, the third, Mankind. Hmm. I know, it's different from the other book, which which is kind of funky. Stanza 32, the mention of Ratatoskr, who is a squirrel that talks shit (laughs) running along Yggdrasil to bring messages from the eagle up top to Nithogr below. They basically are fucking with each other with using the squirrel as the middle, middle man. Eternally. Eternally. Then in stanza 33, the four hearts, which are red deer, are described, Dane, Dvalin, Dunir, and Durathror, where they consume the highest boughs of Yggdrasil. 
Then, in stanza 34, snakes are described lying beneath Yggdrasil, where Othan states that the, he thinks they will forever gnaw on the tree's branches. In stanza 35, Othan describes Yggdrasil to suffer agony more than men know, as the red deer bite it from above and it decays on its side, and Neathogger bites it from beneath. In stanza 44, Othan lists Yggdrasil as the noblest of trees. In the Prose Edda, Yggdrasil is mentioned in two books, Gilfaginning and Skaldskaparma. In chapter 15, it is described that the three roots extend one among the Aesir, second amongst the Jotnar, and third over Niflheim, and describes the three wells, springs, I described previously. Okay. Okay. In chapter 16, it describes the eagle at top having much knowledge, and between its eyes sits a hawk called Vetherfolner. Now, I just want to say that I did watch a thing by Crawford, and Crawford was basically saying he believes Snorri just basically took the fact that people couldn't determine whether it was a hawk or an eagle and just put both of them on the tree. <laughs> there's absolutely no reason that there is a hawk between the eyes of this eagle. An eagle? Yeah. There's an eagle, and then in between the eyes, there's a there's a hawk. No, I understand. You said seagull. I meant eagle. I know. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> so, um, it also goes on to describe Ratatosk. The four stags, the norns, the snakes, and Nithalger, and how dew falls from Yggdrasil to the earth, and that this is what people call honeydew, and from it bees feed. And chapter 54 is the events leading to Ragnarok, with Othan and Mimir having that discussion. And in the second book, Skaldskaparmal, with a single mention, not by name, in chapter 64, also found the mention of nine worlds not outright given by Hilda Ellis Davidson, and the location of the nine worlds in relation to the tree are unclear. But trying to make sense of what it would have looked like has been confusing by anybody that's tried actually depicting Yggdrasil in all of the nine realms. Mm -hmm. The connection is through a rainbow bridge, also known as a Bifrost. I also want to put a side note that I found something that is named an a warden tree, and they are held with respect in areas of Germany and Scandinavia and considered guardians and bringers of luck with offerings sometimes made to them. For example, a massive birch tree standing atop a burial mound located beside a farm in western Norway was recorded to have, ha have ale poured over its roots during festivals. The tree was cut down in 1874. Mm. Davidson noted how the sacred tree noted by Adam of Bremen next to the temple of Uppsala, Sweden, is uncertain if this tree was actually witnessed, but the existence of sacred trees in pre-Christian Germanic Europe is evidenced by records of their destruction by early Christian missionaries. Such as Thor's Oak, which was taken down by St. Boniface. I thought it was fucked up because they ended up cutting the tree down and used the wood to make a church at the site and dedicated it to St. Peter. <laughs> and it was originally a tree that was dedicated to Thor. Yes, it's called Thor's Oak. So rude. Yeah. So, like, apparently there were these sacred trees all across Europe, but there were different trees that were recorded by missionaries being taken down. Modern depictions include the modern painting by K. Ehrenberg de Nornen from 1888, Yggdrasil by Axel Revold in 1933, and many more art pieces since. I did not list all of them down. Also the names of a popular DMMORPG, and what is called Overlord. A DMMORPG is a dive MMO, like Sword Art Online. Oh, you know how I feel about that. I know, yeah. There's also a gaming company called Yggdrasil, 
And you also see it depicted in God of War, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Marvel Universe, Digimon, and more. Where was it in Digimon? There was actually a character named Yggdrasil. He was like a Digimon? Yeah, hmm. but looked like a person. Let's talk about something to brighten the mood. We went to the beach for Eliza's birthday, and while getting there was very stressful because Dova was not having it. Um, That's a word for that. I did really like getting to swim, which I haven't done in a long time because we usually go off-season, so I was actually able to swim in the ocean, got to play in the sand, and walk on the beach, so that was... A lot of fun. That was pretty cool. And what is your something to brighten the mood? You know that thing where you have like a list of things in your head and all of a sudden you like get asked that question and it goes blank? That, that just happened? That just happened. But I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll figure it out. Give me a second. Okay. So <laughs> there's like a few things that happened and I'm just going to bring them up to speed on it. So first thing that happened is on my birthday weekend, we went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We went to this random ass corner store for beer because I was looking for mead, Groenfell Meadery mead, because I wanted to try their, um, this apple flavor that they have. They didn't have that flavor, but instead they have like all these other flavors. And Leah and I were like, these are really pretty cans. So we bought all of these cans of different beers and we've got beer for days we don't drink that much yeah so i got tin clippers so that we can cut out the designs and basically make a table out of it in that same weekend we went and we built dova a platform for leah's back seat so dova can like stretch out over top of it so i helped make that that was kind of cool made me feel really like awesome and then I got a wood-burning kit, and now we have two wood-burning kits. Long story short, I wanted more tips, and that's all they had at Michael's was, like, a whole kit or nothing, where you had to buy, like, one of the ones that are, like, $100, and I did not have that kind of money. <laughs> so I've been getting into wood-burning, which has been pretty fun. Did a few pieces. I did a piece today, and I did a piece last weekend. And then we went to the beach. The beach was all right. It, it rained. I scared the crap out of Leah because she couldn't find me and I went to go get her a bucket of Thrasher fries and it was downpour raining, <laughs> but everything was fine because we got a bucket of really good hot piping fries, which was delicious. And then, um... Salted with my tears from my panic attack. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> she couldn't find me. Goodness gracious. I'm trying to think. Oh, also... We found out that Dova does a lot better in a tactical vest than her regular harness. harness. Yeah, it's a harness. So we've had this harness for Dova since she was a pup. And she's learned that if she puffs her chest out like a fucking... Bodybuilder. Yeah, like a bodybuilder. She can literally snap the harness. And she almost caught caught free when we first got to the beach. So Mama Llama, being so kind and generous, let us borrow their dog Ruger's vest and we got it to fit Dova and Dova it was like a how do you call it like an anxiety blanket in a way oh <laughs> uh, like a thunder blanket for dogs yeah that's basically how it was for Dova and she used it at the beach she used it walking around all sorts of people all the people were like oh my god she's so pretty what kind of dog is that and Dova didn't pay no mind she cared more about Leah going in the water than anything else yeah she thought I was gonna get like taken Eventually, by the end of the 
small trip that we had at the beach, she was going into the receding water instead of not wanting to go in the water at all. Yeah. And she met a lot of dogs. She made a lot of dog friends. And then because she kept supermaning, like, she does this thing when she's putting her face out the window where she puts one paw up and it's like she's a Superman dog. So I got her a Superman bandana. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't fit her as well as we, we as I thought it would. It's a little big, so it has to be altered. Yeah, but it's fine. And then I replayed God of War, and then, of course, this week, PlayStation announced that God of War Ragnarok's coming, and I'm so excited. I really, really, really want to play that game. Like, no joke. You gotta finish this one. The first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've gotten through most of it. Like, I finished the story. It's like finishing all the other stuff, like fighting the Valkyries, which is a bitch. But, yeah, I've got to do that. Other than that... Oh, my 30th birthday was okay. I think I cried three times, but it wasn't because of turning 30. It was just, like, all sorts of things that happened. And it's just been... It's been a wild ride. (laughs) It's been wild, but it's fine. Oh, I got this, um, 30th birthday candy box. And some of the candies in there I did not think came out in 1991. I thought they were, like, older than they are. (laughs) And I was just like, I don't know how I should feel about this, but okay. (laughs) So, yeah, pretty much it. All right. We're also now on Amazon Music. Mm Mm-hmm. Podcast. It was weird because... They reached out to me last week. Did they? They did. On Gmail. Mm Mm-hmm. They reached out to coffeetablemythos at gmail.com. They're like, hey, these are all these things you can do. If you want to like advertise with us, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I was actually looking for something else, and I found that we were on there, which is funny because how the anchor website works is it'll show you all the RSS feed links, mm-hmm. so you can say, "Oh, okay, I can see that it's on Apple and it's on Spotify, etc." And Amazon was not on that list, but apparently we are now on Amazon. If anybody wants to stream us from there. Yes. Well, thank you all for listening. This is Coffee Table Mythos. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>